the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. So, again, John is an old man on the island of Patmos when he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these things. And he has visions of things concerning the future. And at this juncture here in Revelation chapter 4, the Lord takes John, and this can be, you know, in a spiritual sense, but he takes him right up into heaven, where in chapters 4 and 5, we are now going to see a description of things going on in heaven. up here. I want to show you something that will happen when things get crazy down below. Make sure to write it down so that others will have a heads up. Wow, I can't even imagine the creator of everything giving me a glimpse of the future. But this is what happens to John. He sees what will happen in heaven. He sees the throne of God. As Pastor Gary teaches from Revelation today, lights, sounds, and singing and a whole bunch of peace. So many things going on, all exemplifying God's glory. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Revelation chapter 4 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. We're in chapter 4 is where we left off a few weeks ago, and so we're going to pick up right where we left off at the beginning of chapter 4. I'm going to do a real brief review so that we can orient ourselves to where we were. All right, so let's go to the timeline. Let's visit what's happening here across uh, our timeline of events that uh, start with the resurrection of It starts with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He then ascends into heaven after 40 days. Revelation 1, 2, and 3 talks about the church age. We've gone through that. And where we left off was chapter 4 and verse 1, which is a picture of Jesus rapturing the church. Now, what exactly is the rapture? So here's just kind of a working definition. There will be a sudden return of Christ in the clouds to physically snatch only the Christians from the earth who are still alive sometime prior to the start of the Great Tribulation so that believers will not experience the devastating things that are coming upon the earth. So starting in Revelation chapter 6, there's a, a detail of events that are going to be happening across the globe orchestrated by God as his final wake up call to a Christ rejecting God forsaking world. 
So it is, it is my belief, and I'm not alone in this, that the church will be rescued, will be raptured, will be taken. Christians will be snatched from the earth prior to all that devastation that comes upon the globe. And that is what chapter 4 is all about because chapter 4 verse 1 says this, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. And so John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is writing that verse. And in this verse are different phrases and words that Uh, are a parallel of other scripture verses that remind us of this doctrine of the rapture, the idea that God will snatch, will take from the earth Christians uh, as Jesus comes just in the clouds to rescue us before the tribulation comes upon the earth. And so in Revelation 4.1, John is a type, he's a figure, he's a picture of the church raptured prior to the tribulation period, which begins in chapter 6. And if you, because of, you know, several weeks that have gone by, I'm just going to do a quick rapid fire. You won't have time to write these down. You can go back and watch on the archives on our teaching library. But here are the reasons why John is a picture of the church that's going to be taken from the earth. Because in Revelation 4.1, it begins to express to us in different language this idea that the church is going to be taken. And so the absence of the, of the word church, the word church is mentioned 19 times in Revelation 1, 2, and 3, but not again until Revelation 22, 16, after the tribulation is over. That's one reason. Number two, the open door in heaven that is mentioned there in chapter 4, verse 1. The door is standing open because the church is going up. The only other time heaven is standing open is Revelation 19, 11, when Jesus is coming down. Number three, the sound like a trumpet and like horses hooves on the roof of the building. It mentions in chapter 4 verse 1, John said, I heard the sound like a trumpet. Well, the voice of God is like a trumpet, a sound associated with the rapture of the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, also 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Number four, the invitation to come up here. As, as God says to John there in chapter 4, 1, come up here. The only other time in Revelation that God calls from heaven, come up here concerns the resurrection and ascension of the two witnesses in Revelation eleven twelve. We'll talk about that more when we get to Revelation 11. And then the last point, number five, is the return of the saints with Christ. We must be in heaven during the tribulation in order to return with Christ after the tribulation, which is what Revelation 19, Jude, verses 14 and 15, and 1 Thessalonians 3 tell us. So those are the different reasons why when we look here in chapter 4, verse 1, that John is this picture, he's a type of the church. Again, look in your Bibles there at chapter 4, 1. He says, after these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. So again, John is an old man on the island of Patmos when he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these things. And he has visions of things concerning the future. And at this juncture here in Revelation chapter 4, the Lord takes John 
And this can be, you know, in a spiritual sense, but he takes him right up into heaven where in chapters 4 and 5, we are now going to see a description of things going on in heaven. When we get to chapter 6, it's going to be a description of things, events happening on earth. But for now, in chapters 4 and 5, what we are about to read is John's, uh, the, the sights that he, see, that he sees, the sounds that he hears of events and things happening in heaven. So if you'll pick it up there with me in verse 2. He says, immediately I was in the Spirit. And so by, by the Spirit, he is transported. He said, I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And so the word throne is going to be a repeated word now 15 times, just between chapters 4 and 5. So we are now having access through John to the throne room of God in heaven. And he's going to tell us different things relative to the throne. And you're going to notice with me different prepositions. There are actually five where he talks about on the throne, around the throne, from the throne, before the throne. So we're going to get a grand vision and perspective of things happening in heaven around the throne of God. And what I'm going to do with you is I'm going to go through, we're just by check mark, we're going to look at these different prepositional phrases that describe the throne of God. So the first thing that he says here is immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. So the one who is sitting on the throne is not Jesus. This is God almighty, because we're going to see Jesus introduced to us in chapter six, uh, verses five and six. Chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, is when Jesus appears. So this is not Jesus yet. This is God Almighty. This is God seated on the throne. And he's mentioned as God Almighty down in verse 8. If you just want to underline that, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. These four living creatures, which we will talk about in a moment, are ascribing this honor and worship that is due to the one who is on the throne. Well, it's the Lord God Almighty. In Hebrew, it is El Shaddai. He is the one who is seated on the throne. And so that's the first thing that John notes with us. He said, I I, I saw one who sat on the throne. He says in verse 3, and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. So back there in verse 3, he who sat on the throne was like a jasper, that's a reddish stone. Sardius is also a reddish stone. And so God Almighty, just in this spiritual form, has a a presence of this beautiful, brilliant red like ruby. This is what John is describing here. And he also mentions that there is this uh, rainbow, That's this is the next prepositional phrase, around the throne, there in verse, in verse 3, a rainbow around the throne, and in appearance like an emerald. So, you know, try to envision this. Different artists have tried to render it, but, you know, it doesn't really do it justice until we actually are there to see this. But this glow of God in this beautiful jasper sardius red-like thing with a, an emerald rainbow that is around the throne... And he says in verse 4, around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, 
clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their head. Now, who are these 24 elders? Well, this is where there's debate and speculation. Some say it represents the 12 apostles plus maybe the 12 patriarchs of the faith, which would represent the 12 tribes of Israel. That would make up the 24. That's probably unlikely because John would have been one of those, and he's not mentioning himself seating around the throne. So he sees 24 different individuals here, and they are unnamed, and we really don't know who they are. But probably the best guess is this. In First Chronicles chapters 24 and 25, when, when God divided the, um, the Levites in, in uh, the worship in the temple, they were divided into divisions of 24. So in First Chronicles 24 and 25, it says that the priests were in divisions of 24. And it says that the musicians were in divisions of 24. And so 24 is a significant number in, in the way that the priests and the musicians were divided during the, the times of the priesthood and the, and the order of the Levites. And so some say that 24 represents the nation of Israel in general. Others say, and this is, this is where I lean, which would include Israel insofar as uh, any Jews might believe in Jesus, is that the 24 elders represent the saints. Old Testament, New Testament, those who have put their faith in Christ, they are represented by these 24 elders who were seated there. And notice they're all wearing crowns. They're crowns of gold. But it's interesting to note the word crowns here in the Greek is Stephanos, which is a like a laurel wreath kind of a crown. But when we see Jesus mentioned in chapter 19, verse 12, when he appears in chapter 19 for a second coming, he's wearing a crown, but it's a different Greek word. It is diadem. It is a royal crown. So these guys who are wearing crowns, it's an inferior crown. It's a Stephanos. It's like what Olympic athletes would get when they would be victorious in, in competition. They would get a laurel wreath of a crown. That's Stephanos. That's the word that is used here. So when you look at things like that in the original language, it helps us to understand these 24 elders. These aren't angels. These aren't, these aren't superior beings. This is a representation here. They're wearing inferior crowns on their heads. And the 24 elders probably represents the church, the completed church, seated around the throne uh, there with, with the Lord God Almighty. And it says in verse 5, and here's another prepositional phrase, and from the throne, so here's the next one, and from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Kind of like what we had going on here a minute ago. So from the throne, that's the next phrase here that he talks about where there's lightnings and thunderings and voices. So again, this is, you know, John's senses are being bombarded here with sights and sounds. He's seeing colors. He's seeing, you know, the presence of God illuminating heaven. He is, he is hearing the sound of like thunder and voices and, and he's, you know, seeing lightning. And so this is coming from the throne. So, you know, just try to imagine this again. It's a very colorful, uh, you know, scene. It's a, it's, it's spectacular with, with lightning and the sound of thunder and voices, just all of this happening here. And in addition, the rest of verse 5 says, seven lamps of fire were burning, and here's the next phrase, before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So that's the next phrase, before the throne. Before the throne, uh, we see seven lamps burning, 
And this is probably a reference to the fullness of God's spirit. The number seven is a number in scripture for completion or perfection. And he also adds in verse six, before the throne, same prepositional phrase, there was a sea of glass like crystal, a sea of glass like crystal. Now, in the book of Revelation, when you see the word sea, it almost never means a body of water but it means it in a figurative sense. And here's how we will sometimes use it in a figurative sense. We will talk about the ocean of humanity, the sea of humanity. That's what he sees here. And why is it like like crystal, like glass? Because it is a picture of believers of humanity at rest in the presence of the Lord. It's very still. There's this calmness in heaven. You know, our our world is so chaotic, and there's so much noise and busyness, and we're rushing here and rushing there. Won't it be good to finally get to heaven and just be at peace? Like, you're not hurried or worried. You're just like, ah, we can finally just be at rest in the presence of the Lord. So that's probably what he sees here. It's not a literal body of water. This is a sea of glass. This is a, this is the ocean of humanity that he sees here at rest in the presence of the Lord. And in addition, rest of verse six, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures. Now, these are kind of odd creatures here. Look at the description. Full of eyes in front and in back. You know how your mom always had like eyes in the back of her head? Well, they really did. Eyes in the front, eyes in the back. Verse seven, the first living creature was like a lion. Wasn't really a lion, like a lion. The second living creature, like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. By the way, the word holy is the only word used in triplet to describe God in the Bible. He is many things. He is just, he is loving, he is pure, he is righteous, but holy is the only word used in triplets to describe God. It is an emphasis on his holiness. Holy, holy, holy is El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. He has no beginning, he has no ending. He is the self-existent one, the eternally existing one. And so who are or what are these four living creatures? When you look in the book of Ezekiel, and we'll not turn there, but in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel also sees around the throne of God four creatures. And in the book of Ezekiel, uh, he describes these creatures as, as having the form of a man, having the feet of a calf, having the hands of a man, and each uh, creature having four faces. So, you know, we have one face going one direction. But try to imagine a creature with a face on the north, south, east, and west of your head. And that's what these creatures had. And, the, and in Ezekiel, he describes these four faces of each creature as the face of a man on one side, the face of a lion on the other side, the face of an ox, and the face of an eagle. So it's very similar language to what John is writing here about these creatures. John says the face of a lion, the face of a calf, the face of a man, and the face of an, of an eagle. And that can actually be identical to what Ezekiel sees 
if in fact calf, calf can mean a baby oxen. And so if that's the case, calf meaning oxen rather than calf meaning cow, this is identical. These creatures that John sees to the creatures that Ezekiel sees when Ezekiel writes about them uh, in his book in chapter 10. And the only difference is that in Ezekiel's vision of these creatures, they have four wings. But in, in this a description of these living creatures. Verse 8 says that they have six wings. Now, it's interesting that Ezekiel's description of these creatures are a reference to cherubim, to cherubim, angelic beings. And although Ezekiel describes those angelic beings as having four wings, otherwise they're very similar to what John says, In the book of Isaiah, we are introduced to another order of angelic beings called seraphim in Isaiah chapter 11. And in Isaiah 11, the seraphim, that order of angels, they do have six wings. And Isaiah says that when he sees the throne of God and he sees these creatures, uh, he sees seraphim with six wings. Two, they covered their eyes. Two, they covered their feet. And the other two, they flew with. So when you take together Ezekiel's vision and version of cherubim, Isaiah's vision and version of seraphim, and John's version of these creatures, um, these creatures here in Revelation chapter 4 are probably either cherubim or seraphim. These are angelic beings. And they seem a little strange to us, but, but when, you, when you put all that together, the similarity indicates that these are probably these four particular angelic beings who are around the throne and in the midst of the throne, and they're constantly moving, and they're constantly declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's their job. That's what they do for eternity. They just go around declaring this and worshiping uh, God Almighty seated on the throne. And it says in verse 9 that whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, that's God Almighty, here's what happens. Verse 10, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So it's a spectacular scene of of worship, exaltation of the Lord God Almighty seated on the throne. It's a vision of sights and and sounds and uh, these 24 elders falling down, representing the church, bowing at the foot of the throne and casting their crowns, their Stephanos crowns. And so, you know, when people start talking about how there will be rewards in heaven, and yes, there will be. The Bible talks about how Jesus will reward us for our works. Works don't save us, but works will be rewarded and that we will receive a crown. There are different crowns the Bible talks about. Don't think you're going to be walking around comparing your crown to the crown of somebody else. Because at the end of the day, we're throwing them down. You know, we're going to be undone. There's not going to be anybody in heaven who is more concerned about themselves because we're going to be in the presence of the living God and we're going to be undone and we're just going to be, you know, brought to our knees and we're going to fall on our face and we're going to cast whatever crown we have at his feet and, and worship him. So that's this scene here that John is seeing. Now, again, I believe that this is an indication of how the church is going to be kept safe. And this is what we're going to be seeing in heaven 
while God unleashes tribulation upon the earth. And so John is giving this as preview. This is what heaven looks like. This is, this is what I saw. This is what I heard. All these creatures and thrones and all of this. And then, and then let's, let's tackle chapter 5 as well. And he says in chapter 5, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll. So now, now listen, even though God is spirit, there's some representation of a physical presence because he describes here a hand. Thanks for listening today to Cornerstone Connection. This book of Revelation that you've been studying with Pastor Gary is one that many have studied and analyzed, tried and tried again to pinpoint on a timeline. When will Jesus come? When will these and times events take place? Have they already begun? There are many questions we don't have the answers to, and we won't until they happen. But there are some truths that we can hold on to. These events will happen. Jesus is returning, and he will defeat Satan once and for all. And all those who have made Jesus Lord in their life will be with him for eternity. What a wonderful time that will be. So where does that leave us? It's important to know what's coming so that you can prepare now and trust Jesus for what we don't know. We must give our lives to the Lord, and we need to give others the opportunity to do the same. We're so glad you tuned in for today's study in Revelation. If you'd like to explore more teachings from God's Word that Pastor Gary has shared, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you'll also learn more about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel. Come visit us if you're in the area. All the information you need is at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Join us next time for more here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.